Welcome to Buffalo Game Day Recap. I'm Thad Brown along with A.J. Feldman. And A.J., this Bills loss to the Patriots is stunning. It's inexplicable. And to me, it's an excuse to hit the panic button because there are so many things wrong that you have to think about this team coming out of a, a loss to a team like the Patriots. It's hard really now, if not impossible, to legitimately talk about the Bills as a Super Bowl contender. No, there's almost no silver lining in this game. The offense was bad. The defense was bad, especially on the final drive. Tyler Bass missed a kick that he has to make. This was a New England Patriots team that the Bills have owned recently, basically sweeping the series in the past couple of years other than the win game on uh, Sunday night, Monday night football. A Patriots team that had lost to the Raiders, only scoring 17 points, had lost to the Saints, getting shut out, only scored three points and an embarrassing loss to the Cowboys. This was a team... That was down. The Bills needed to kick, eliminate, get them to start thinking about firing Bill Belichick and tanking for Caleb Williams. And the Bills let them walk all over them, set the tone, set the momentum. And it's a stunning loss for the Bills, to say the least. The thing that, that gets me is that the offense was not very good. And, and this is a, a thing that's been going on for three weeks now. You know, I know there's 25 points on the board. Josh Allen had 265 yards throwing. You know, there were a couple bright spots. Dalton Kincaid was okay. Um, you know, a little bit of a breakout there. James Cook had good moments. But this offense for three and a half quarters was as terrible as we've seen the last three weeks. So this is now a trend. You know, one's an anomaly, two's a coincidence, three's a trend. We're at trend level with the offense despite 25 points. But then on top of that, to allow Mac Jones to go the length of the field in two minutes and not just go the length of the field. Think about this. This is a spot where New England would have been happy to get a three. You're down three. That, that's not a situation where they're going on every fourth down, where they might run the ball and settle for three. And the Bills still, still couldn't get Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne and Hunter Henry off the field. So now you look at this team, and to me, there are just too many holes in this dam now to be able to count on the Bills to be a legit contender. You can't count on the offense beyond Allen and Diggs. You can't now count on the defense, even against an offense as lowly as Mac Jones. There are questions with the linebackers. Dorian Williams was on the field and off again. The second time in three games, he's been benched. The corners are not, you know, obviously up to the Trey White level. How could they be? There are too many questions with this team now to feel confident about there's going to be a long run in January, let alone any run in January. You almost have to question which is more embarrassing, letting Mac Jones go the length of the field in two minutes or Patrick Mahomes getting them for a field goal 13 in 13 seconds. seconds. Yeah, it's uh, which is more difficult for each quarterback to do. I think it's pretty much a coin flip. But no, the defense does not look good. The fact that Ad Oliver wasn't in there along with Daquan Jones, they looked really weak up front. Uh, the Patriots were controlling the line of scrimmage at, at large periods of time during that first half. The combination of Jordan Phillips and Tim Settle and uh, Puna Ford, who I don't even know how much Puna Ford even played out there today. Uh, they just were not up to the task. The Patriots didn't do a ton of things running the ball. Ramondre Stevenson, 9 for 34. Ezekiel Elliott, 11 for 31. But it still felt like at times, you know, that's the only way the Patriots could get going. And, you know, the passing game did enough where they couldn't stack the box power heavy. And, and the Patriots had some sort of a diversified offensive attack, which is what, you know, you don't expect from a Mac Jones-led offense these days. Let's stay on the defensive side because I thought the Bills against the run, considering the personnel they had, I thought they were okay. I thought they were better than expected. I mean, I was the guy that put my 6-0 prop bet record on Ramondre and Zeke going over and only got one out of two first loss of the year. 
So I, I thought that the, the run game would be more effective for the Patriots. But the things that hurt the Bills on defense, one tackling. And look, mm-hmm. I've talked a little bit about Dorian Williams. He was a big culprit last week. And I'm, I'm assuming without watching, he was a big culprit in this game. I know there were a couple that I saw. So tackling was number one. Number two, I did like the Patriots game plan. You know, they really stuck to getting the ball out quick, using play action, trying to use the Bills, probably game plan of wanting to stop their run first against them. And, you know, they did a nice job with the quick receiver screens, did a nice job with the tight end over the middle to keep stuff moving early in the game. One thing I want to look at here, you know, it was a weird game for the Patriots offensively in that they had a good drive to open. Then they kind of had a short field and a touchdown on a turnover. After that, it was three and out, a field goal drive that was really the one play to born, and nothing after that. You know, so it wasn't like the Patriots were going up and down the field, dominating the Bills or even being successful with the run game. It was, you know, a couple drives, and then the second half, I think it was like one Zeke run and one Ramondre run. So the, the run game wasn't there consistently to the point where, A.J., even when the Patriots went up 22-10, to 10, I really felt like the Bills were still very much in the game because if they had scored a touchdown, I had zero confidence in New England being able to run the clock out with the run game. So that's a credit to the Bills defensively. But after that, there's so much to talk about that's wrong. The game plan, give New England credit for that. Where was the pressure on Mac Jones? You know, the, this offensive line has been widely regarded as one of the worst in the league, especially up the middle. Now, maybe Ed Oliver would have changed that for sure. You know, if, if injured players were out there, the Bills would have been better. That's almost a, a, a hypothetical discussion. It's not worth having. The, the worst part of the end of the game for me was the third and five conversion to Hunter Henry. Sean McDermott talked about that last drive being kicked off by the long throw to Ramondre. He's right. But the Bills had New England in third and five at the 36. I don't even know if you can kick a field goal from there the way the wind was blowing. And they allowed Hunter Henry to get what was pretty much a straightforward, stress-free conversion. Part of that, again, is not getting pressure on Mac Jones, but part of that's the back seven, not having the personnel that we're used to. No Matt Milano, no Tremaine Edmonds for you know all the, the criticism we gave him. That's a spot where a really a 6'5 guy in the middle would have helped you. There just isn't the personnel defensively to be able to execute all the things the Bills need to do. And you know I think some of the guys on the edge had a bad game. Where was Leonard Floyd today? Where was A.J. Epinesa in, in his, uh, his breakout season? So there were a lot of things that went wrong on defense. Yeah, and that play specifically, it was even worse than you you let on. Third and eight from the 39, which is really outside of field goal range because they because they got backed up on their Mondre Stevenson play. I'm looking at it, looks like A.J. Epinesa, I believe, is just late on the pass rush. But that was the thing. The Patriots got the ball out of uh, Mac Jones's hands quickly. 25 for 30 completing passes today. Only five incompletions on this entire day for, you know, a defense. <laughs> yeah, for, for a defense that... You know, they they did bend but not break at times. Other than, you know, the short field touchdown, they were fine for the most part. But, no, there's there's definitely, a, you know, a lot of holes that they just – I don't know how they fill them. Dorian Williams, like you said, basically benched for the second straight week. Uh, you know, Jordan Poyer makes a nice play on, on the peanut punch, but there's not a lot to to rave about too much outside of that. And then when the offense is, isn't helping them out with interceptions and short fields and can't sustain drives – it is, uh, as Sean McDermott likes to say, it is not good complimentary football. You want a fun stat? <clears throat> this was uh, Mac Jones's best QB rating in a game since the 2021 season and the third best QB rating in his career. Mac Jones had more passing yards in this game than Josh Allen. 
what would the line on that have been <laughs> pregame? Like plus 6,000? You know, I mean, so the, the Bills made this Mac Jones-led offense look competent. You know, not great. They scored 29 points. I mean, almost 30. I guess that'd probably be a really good day in the NFL. But when the defense has been the thing that you can count on, when the defense was the thing that really won them the game last week, when the offense couldn't figure stuff out, when the defense went out and dominated Miami two weeks ago or three weeks ago, you know, you don't have that to lean on anymore with this Bills team because you can't count on the fact they can't shut Mac Jones down. Now, look, look, they're going to get Ed Oliver back very likely next week. They're going to get a better version of Von Miller at some point this year. So that you will think. certainly improve. You, you, well, we, we think it's true because we never really saw a good version of Trey White, a great version of Trey White last year. Regardless, there are there are some reinforcements coming on defense. On offense, AJ, this is pretty much the personnel that the Bills have to work with. And for three weeks now and four out of seven games, it has not been good enough. No, the offensive line allowed pressure for most of the game. Osiris Torres had a, had a pretty rough game. He I noticed the, that, yeah. Yeah, the offsides penalty got bulldozed a couple times in the first half, didn't really improve. And, you know, it just it's just taking forever for this offense to wake up where you it's it's inexplicable at this point. You know, Sean McDermott's shaking his head. Josh Allen is, you know, saying, I wish I could tell you what's going on. We don't know. And now it's week after week after week where if it wasn't for, you know, a stop at the goal line last week against the Giants, it would basically be three straight losses for the Bills all on the offense. You can't put yourself behind the eight ball this much. Eventually, you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna suffer for it. I got a theory on the offense. You know, one of the things I was thinking about during the game in terms of slow starts is that the offense this year went to a philosophy really quick of we're gonna we're gonna play short. We're going to tell Josh Allen not to fire the ball downfield. Don't force him into triple coverage. Don't try to make the big play all the time. And we're going to just keep taking the easy money. Give me the six, give me the seven, and we'll go up and down the field. Well, the result of that is that it's it's hard. It's it's hard work to score touchdowns. You know, you have to be good 12, 13, 15 plays in a row, you know, or th 14 out of 15 to score a touchdown. And not only that, when you do succeed, it takes you 10 minutes to get down the field. Now, this is 100% hindsight. This is not me first guessing, you know, what the offense wanted to do or what the plan was. We in the media, myself included, for a long time, Josh, please stop forcing the ball downfield. Josh, please take the short stuff. Josh, please take the checkdowns because they're there. Well, I think what we've turned the Bills offense into is such a slow, grindy, dink and dunk offense that when they don't succeed, the quick strike isn't there to solve things. That, okay, if, if we throw an interception on the first drive, and we're down 10 nothing before we get our second snap on offense, now it feels like it's going to take forever to come back in a game. And, you know, part of that, too, is where the league is going. League-wide teams are doing a good job of taking away those deep balls, those quick strike passes, unless your name is Miami. So I think that's a big part of it, that the philosophy, along with the trend league-wide, has made it hard for the Bills to score points and score points quickly and therefore, you know, I think things do start to snowball a little bit to where when one bad drive happens, the Bills think, oh, well, we got to put together 15 plays just to get ourselves back into this game. Plus, when you're you're working down the field in four yard, five yard, six yard increments, you get stopped on one play, second and 10. Now you're really behind the eight ball. You get one sack, you get one offensive holding penalty, things like that. You really now are trying to to push beyond what you've been trying to do. And especially when you're you're working these short passing games, you know, these short concepts, you need guys who can get open. And Stephon Diggs can get open, 
nobody else can really get open, you know, one-on-one make a man miss. This is obviously a problem we've talked about for a while, but when your offense is short passing game isolated, you, you, you have to rely on your receivers to beat their defenders and it's just not happening. And, you know, Allen, you know, he's dealing with the shoulder, the elbow. He says it's not a problem. He says it doesn't impact him. I don't know if that's the case. I do think that first interception either, you know, spooked him or or got him a little bit less aggressive because I thought there were two or three or four times where, you know, Allen's extending the place. He's trying to make something happen. And his passes go from putting them to where only his receiver can get them to where none of no player can get them. He, he was being too conservative. Uh, Gabe Davis in the red zone. He, he tried on the play before the James Cook touchdown. He was he was rolling and Gabe Davis was was decently open, but it was just too far out of his hands. There was one um, when the Bills were in their own territory. I think in the second half, he had Kincaid open, and there was a a linebacker kind of lurking underneath. And he threw it too high to get it over him, and he just couldn't come down with it. It was a it was a difficult throw, but I think he was trying to be a little bit too conservative on these throws to to not force another reception. Right off the bat in the third quarter, he goes deep to Diggs, who's got three yards of separation on his two receivers, airmails him over everybody's heads, which would have completely changed the tone of the game. So Allen did not have a good game. And is it the shoulder? Is it not? But either way, he's gonna have to turn this thing around. I don't think it was a shoulder. I won't. I won't listen to any you know shoulder excuses. Um, I thought the throwing motion and the velocity looked fine. AJ, I will say the wind was a factor. You know, it wasn't consistent. It wasn't nasty. There was a third quarter throw, um, right before the Latavius Murray long third down conversion. There was a throw to Diggs immediately before that, and me on the field, the ball came right at me, and I'm telling you, I saw the ball go sideways six inches in the air. There were enough times to where the wind grabbed a ball. To where I think that that will be a, a, something to account for in terms of why there were issues. Now, is that an excuse? No, because the other guy named Mac Jones went 25 of 30 in the win. So I'm not hearing that, but I will say that it was something that the, the both teams probably had to deal with a little bit. Um, I do want to hit a couple offensive bright spots. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you take the Dalton Kincaid thing here real quick because to me, yeah, Dalton Kincaid had eight catches with eight for 65. I think it was. 75. I was not impressed. It's eight for 75. I was not impressed. To me, it was Kincaid in wide open spaces. Now, look, when you earn targets, I think that's a, a thing you earn. But I'll have to go back and look at the film. I didn't see a whole lot of, wow, look at Dalton Kincaid get open. To me, it was just he was the guy that was able to exploit coverage, and they they found an easy throw to him. couple good after the, ta- after the catch runs. Not long, but, you know, when you can add three or four or five yards, that will make a difference. But overall, although this was a nice game for Kincaid, I'm not blown away of, this is changing the offense going forward. No, but the positives, he got thrown the ball eight times. He made eight catches. So he, he converted all of his targets. You can't say that for uh, Dawson Knox, who who dropped, uh, you know, a difficult but very yeah, makeable catch yeah. on, on fourth down there. So he found his holes. Uh, you know, this is kind of the book on Kincaid. He he gets open. He finds space. He can he can make some – he has good hands. He can make a, a man miss uh, in open space. So – you know, it's not, oh, my gosh, wow, Dalton Kincaid, yada, yada, this. But, you know, it's definitely a, a point in Updurge's direction where I don't think you can make too many caveats uh, to to damper, you know, Kincaid here. James Cook, I liked. Um, you know, his numbers aren't as impressive. But to me, the, the knock I had on Cook is that he's not a tackle breaker. He's not a guy that can create his own run. And I thought he did that two or three times today. There were a couple 
of uh, I've seen with with Cook good vision, and I saw a couple times where he was able to make that happen. Where you know the initial hole might have been stopped, but he was able to find space anyway. Um, without seeing it again, I thought the touchdown catch. That's a, a, a professional play where you say to your running back, look, we're going to put you one-on-one. You got to beat one guy to score and get in the end zone. He beat that one guy, you know? So I haven't seen a lot of that from him before today. I saw it today. And if they get this guy kind of uh, James Cook going forward, to me, that is something that I think can, you know, not game changing, but can certainly have an impact on this offense to be able to say, okay, we have a running back that we don't have to totally scheme open, that we don't have to have gargantuan holes for him to be effective because I thought he did a good job today. No, 13 for 56. We saw in the last game, it was kind of more of a 50-50 split. Latavius Murray only had four carries today. And the fact that he was out there so much, I didn't notice a ton of glaring pass blocking inconsistencies, which was a big problem for him uh, early this they season. Still, they, still, of... they, still went, they still went to Murray in the two-minute drill primarily, so I don't think the Bills coaching staff is totally cool there. But, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so, you know, didn't – it, they did went for him on the two minute drive, but still wasn't a, a, a massive liability. I think so. Definitely a positive game for, uh, for James cook. Dawson Knox with the fourth down play. I, I thought that most of it was Bentley making a really good play on a ball because Josh Allen had to throw the ball behind Knox to fit it between two defenders. Knox made the initial catch kind of reaching behind him. But then as he turned around to try to cradle the ball, Bentley got his arm right in the right spot at the right time. I, I think overall though, if Dawson Knox had always been known for having good hands, then we'd excuse that one as well. That defender made a good play. But because it's Dawson Knox, and this has been an ongoing thing throughout his career, it's another big catch he did not make, and he's going to take some criticism for that, and it's probably deserved. Yeah, I mean, that that's a, you know, he he kind of spins, or, you know, he's forced to spin around. It goes right to him. Uh, I thought Allen was, you know, if it's a second earlier as he's scrambling there, you know, he doesn't have to go into that defender as much, but still that's a catch Dawson Knox has to make. And uh, he just didn't do it for the second straight week. I got to look at the film again. You know, the, the last couple of weeks as the offense has struggled, unsurprisingly, Josh Allen hasn't played as good. You know, there are a few occasions where I wish he would stay in the pocket more often. And it got to the point, you know, I'm on the field, a couple of those third and longs, you know, uh, I think they had like a third and 18 at the Patriots 20 or something like that. So where I'm on the field thinking, okay, I know what this is going to be. Josh Allen's going to drop back. He's going to pretend to look downfield for a second. Then he's going to scramble to his right and try and fling something across his body to make a play. And, and that's, you know, what happened more often than not. I don't totally criticize Josh for this because as we've detailed, there's a lot of reason not to trust the offense. But when you have something that's schemed up to be effective with the quarterback in the pocket and then the quarterback's never in the pocket, those things are never going to be effective. And that part of it at least is on 17. Yeah, just just not a great game from the offense on that fourth and two play. It took so long to to get open because nobody was open. I don't know, you know, the receivers were all bottled up. A couple of them were 10 yards down the field. I don't know exactly what kind of a play call that is on fourth and two. But, you know, the offensive line didn't give him time. And we've seen this before with Josh where, you know, early pressure gets to him and he starts to kind of invent pressure and he gets out of the pocket and then things kind of fall apart. But look, Josh is a great player. He's still a human being, though. And, and if you start hitting him early, you will get him nervous late in the game. I think any quarterback, that would be true of. Yeah. All right, let's let's go big picture with this now. You know, because like I said, this is kind of a panic button loss. Um, you know, the trade deadline's coming up. The Bills will be active. I don't want to dive into that too much. But, you know, bottom line with this team, you know, where do they go from here? Because now you've got a Tampa team that comes in on Thursday 
and they're three and whatever, they're, you know, a 500 team, that looks like a daunting task. You know, this is a team that in, in Tampa that's won games. The Bills struggled with two teams that came in with one win the last two weeks. I don't know how you get a whole lot better without bringing in new personnel. I think Brandon Bean will certainly have to be active at the deadline. But where the Bills go from here now, again, I, I talked about recalibrating expectations. You know, right this second, focusing on the Bills getting to the playoffs, to me, should be the goal. Doesn't mean they can't be a Super Bowl team because the way the league is kind of broke, the Bengals don't look unbeatable. The Chiefs' offense is not nearly as intimidating as it used to be. Buffalo's already beaten Miami by four touchdowns. So if you get in the tournament, you can be that team. But I don't know how we get the Bills from where they are now to a team that I can look at and say, hey, this is a team that can go to and or win a Super Bowl. No, you've got the Bucks next week. You're coming in a four and three. It's not a must-win game. There are no must-win games in week eight. But it's almost as much of a must-win game as you need in win eights. And it's not a good time to have it on Thursday night where things get weird on Thursday night football. There's less preparation. You're barely practicing. So I don't know how much you can fix these problems. There's less time to game plan. So it becomes more of a coin flip on Thursday night football where, you know, you get, you know, a Cincy team, Denver, New England, or not New England, New York, those four games, you got to win at least two. You really want to win three because then, as we've talked about, you know, multiple times on this show, things get really tough. So you really got to stack these wins where, this was a game where you lost, you know, they've lost three games so far. Two of them have been to Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. Jeez, that is that is brutal to think about. Let's I want to go through the schedule again. Let, let's talk about this. If Buffalo loses to Tampa and they're four and four, what are the next four games again? Uh at Cincy, home Denver, home New York Jets. So like you said, you're thinking they gotta get they gotta split the four to at least be that would get them to six and five with six to play. I mean, what are the last six? I, I know they still got Kansas City and Dallas and Philly. Yeah. It's, and it's, Miami again. You know, I think you got to be better than two and two over the next four, don't you? Yeah. At Philly, at Kansas City, home Dallas, at Los Angeles Chargers, home New England, at Miami. That is a six game stretch where, you know, three and three isn't a bad outcome of theirs. So I think three I think and you're... three might be great after today. Yeah. So. Three and one over these next four games, I think, is really, uh, you know, the bare minimum to get this uh, train back on tracks. Right, because it, all right, you got four wins now. We're going to say three and three in the last six. To get the 10, you got to win three of the next four. So this is a rough stretch coming up. And, you know, it's not like those four games are gimmies. I mean, Denver better be a win, but we thought this one better be a win. So that's not a guarantee. But separate of that, you know, Cincy, Jets, and what's the fourth team I'm missing again? Uh, oh, the, Tampa. Tampa, Tampa, yeah. Tampa Thursday, yeah. None of those are pushover games. I mean, you know, the Bills have lost the two of those teams in the last 12 months. You know, one of them twice. So th this is going to be a tough stretch, and this is going to be, you know, Von Miller talked about this as a reality check, and, and it can be good to get punched in the mouth. Well, the Bills got punched in the mouth. We're going to see what kind of chin they have, you know, over the next month. And, and if they're, they have a glass jaw, then, you know, this season might be over a whole lot sooner than everybody thought. Yeah, Thursday against the Bucks is obviously weird. And then and the Denver game, home for Monday Night Football, Broncos are going to be coming off their bye, so they're going to have a little more rest before that one. So that becomes slightly more difficult. But, no, they uh, they got to figure this thing out quick, that's for sure. To your Thursday point real quick, Mitch Morse was like, it's a blessing and a curse we play on Thursday. A blessing because they can wash the bad taste of this one right out, but a curse because they got a thousand things to fix and don't got a lot of time to fix them. Yeah. All right, yeah, Um, I think we're going to go ahead. I'm good. All right. All right. We're going to shut it down for this edition of uh, Buffalo Game Day Recap. Um, just, you know, so much to digest. 
we'll have uh, full coverage of this one um, on rosterfirst.com. My column will be up later. Reaction from the locker room and a whole lot more. As always, you can catch Buffalo Game Day Recap at rosterfirst.com, on YouTube, wherever you find your podcast. We will talk again from Tampa, or from, sorry, from Orchard Park, but against Tampa. Boy, I wish it was from Tampa. In Orchard Park Thursday night, it'll be me and AJ talking about how the Bills do in game number eight of the season. Game number seven, a colossal disappointment. It's going to be a rough few days for Bills Mafia. For AJ Feldman, I'm Thad Brown. Thanks for watching and listening to Buffalo Game Day Recap.